Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, welcome on to the weekly finale of Dunked On here. Got a lot to get to. The Pacers and Suns game, which we did live for NBA League Pass, was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Suns ended up pulling away, but uh, just got to see a lot of fun young players that don't get a lot of national spotlight. It was good. great to be able to highlight some of them on the broadcast and give you an update here on the scheduling. We are going to be doing tomorrow's show. It'll be pretty early. Uh, it'll be at 1 Eastern. Eastern Utah and San Antonio another game that really is going to matter and looking forward to seeing both those teams for the second time now on NBA League Pass if you are a League Pass digital subscriber easy to find it just click on the score of the game hit watch if you want to see what it's about just watch like 10 minutes of one of our previous casts and just see if it's for you and you're getting a lot of great commentary as well using that hashtag NBA cast you can ask questions with that hashtag but also just give us some positive commentary which really has been helpful with the league we've gotten a lot of good feedback and hoping to be able to continue that on through the rest of uh, the seeding games but let's talk about that game Danny and I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was I thought that Mikhail Bridges had one of the best defensive games that I've seen this season from a perimeter player the billing of this one including some by yours truly was as the TJ Warren Bowl I mean TJ had been the most impressive player in the bubble through three games 40 points and six rebounds and we knew we knew a lot of that yeah, was that, that's his that's his average, average. per game by the way yeah not not wondering. total yeah and so and he was you know making 61 percent of his threes and 7.7 per game and so you kind of thought okay there, there are parts of this that are gonna that are gonna tone down for tj warren and they did you know some of that is regression to the mean as happens but also a lot of it was mikhail bridges just snuffing out so many of the different pet plays and sets that the that the pacers had run to great success against capable defenders remember the game that set all this off was TJ Warren going for a 50 burger against Ben Simmons and the Phil- and the Philadelphia 76ers and he you know Warren was just he was he was not as big of a factor in this one and I think a lot of that credit you know it's a team effort as it always is but Mikhail Bridges individually was just fantastic yeah we talked about in that Philly game that the wide pin down out of the left corner for Warren first Philly tries top locking it and they give up a, a bunch of back doors to Warren then Simmons is trailing it Warren is able to curl into the lane and make plays from that they never found an answer to that play and he got beat once back door in this game but Mikhail Bridges was just in his ship like he would not let him go where he wanted to he was getting skinny uh, around screens if he tried to go back door Bridges was there he bothered him at the rim DeAndre Ayton did a nice job and helped defense as Warren I think missed like four shots at the rim which you never see from him he's usually just a incredibly reliable finisher and so it was a struggle for Warren in the end 16 points 7 of 20 from the field and I think Warren you know moving more off the ball you know not really a power player you know that's probably Bridges biggest weakness at this point although he's he's improving that by leaps and bounds as well uh and so this was a perfect matchup uh, for him and just really impressive work from Mikhail Bridges in this one to me the other massive part of the story here was about halfway through the third quarter, Devin Booker went on a fouling 
binge. We did. We were doing the game, but we didn't really realize how extreme it had gotten until at 7.18, Devin Booker committed one of the, in the context of the game, one of the dumbest fouls I, I've seen in a while. And so that put, that gave him five, seven minutes and 18 seconds left. And it was four fouls at about two minutes for Booker. And so. Yeah, he tried to take a charge in transition when he wasn't in position at, at all to pick yeah. up his fifth with his replacement already at the scores hill. That's always got to make the coach happy. Yeah. So Oladipo goes to the line, makes both of those free throws, and that cuts Phoenix's margin down to one point. And I was just so convinced the Suns didn't have a way to generate, to really generate reliable offense. You know, Booker had had shoulders to burn and burn and Booker 20 points, six of 12 from the field, 10 assists in only 29 minutes because of the foul trouble that he got yeah. into. And they were plus 12 in his minutes. And you're just like, oh man, this has been such a good story. They're getting all this and they're, they're just sunk. That could not have been further from the truth. Campaign was an important part of it. It was really a team effort. The defense for Phoenix was a lot better than anticipated. Dario Saric had a had a part to play and instead of folding the tent and you know going to three and one in the bubble and being happy with that they went on a 23 it was around this time they went on a 23-0 run and basically put the game out of reach yeah indiana did return back to about a six point advantage early in the fourth and then booker was back in it and restored order you mentioned booker's 10 assists i thought this is one of the better passing games that i'd seen him have just really making the right decision finding guys on the weak side in particular even when those guys weren't the greatest shooters and they couldn't knock him down like he could have easily had a lot more assists if ricky rubio or javon carter had hit a few more shots and so yeah he he looked really good although he did struggle with foul trouble for the second time here in the bubble uh what did you make of deandre ayton's night as he scored 23 points i think it was it was sort of a mixed bag if you hold him to the insanely high standard that you and i think with his with his potential talent level so there was a lot to really like i thought that ayton i had i retweeted during the day or after the game this beautiful sequence that he had where he blocked a shot went down the floor and and got a really nice finish and with ayton you can see all that like the defense of improvement that he has shown from his rookie year to his second year even with the extended absence is noticeable i mean i think that he's around more often and i'm starting to hold him to a higher standard and so in this one there were a few plays where like there was this one on malcolm where malcolm brogdon drove by and he just you know wasn't really wasn't really bothered to go over and contest the layup and a couple of times miles turner brought ayton out of the floor and you know threat assessment is the term that i usually use you know could have been more help at the rim because the suns are playing so small most of the time but overall i thought that he had a very good game helped of course by his mid-range shot absolutely falling especially early yeah i think he was four of five from mid-range and his defense he had four block shots as well i mean there are a couple of really nice plays on the ball when it looked like he was beaten with like a beautiful crossover move came back and got the block had some really nice help defense plays a couple of verticality plays we talked about on warren as well and so you know he's still going to be inconsistent you know that that was a is, is a real problem for him because we saw you mentioned the threat assessment and you know i think miles turner hit a couple of threes and really gave him problems particularly at the end of the first half and beginning of the third quarter when he was really just sticking too close to turner and guys are just getting layups and at some point you got to just get there you know that you are the only line of rim protection and then just trust your teammates to rotate out to turner behind the play and so he wasn't really doing that um but overall i mean just to see these quality flashes and the four block shots you know he was one of the worst i I crowned him as worst team all defense or or uh worst defensive player of the year last year he earned that and he's been like totally average uh so far in the bubble really just fantastic improvement great work by him and the phoenix coaching staff It, it would still be nice if he like had that mash guys mentality a little more though right i mean Aiton only took one free throw in the game he did have a couple of nice rolls to the basket and had some nice finishes where he did get fouled because he just went through it but yeah you said the mash guys thing is Aiton doesn't have to be finesse because he has more than that and like there was one play where he tried to do this pirouette around miles turner miles turner just got his feet there too and blocked the shot just like he Aiton the other big thing that i would love to see him yeah yeah on that one by the way like you know he's you got to get your body into the shot blocker so he can't jump if you try to go to the finesse move he's got this hook shot but he's got a low release and you just give space for the shot blocker to take a step towards you spring up and swat that into the stand so um 
Um, and there are other times that like he had a, a play where he got a nice deep seal against a switch on Oladipo. And then there's another play where he got, he made this shot, but he had a smaller player in the post. They threw it to him and he immediately just turns over his right shoulder and shoots it from 15 feet. And you're like, yeah, you would like to see him really put more pressure on the defense in those situations. Yeah. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about it all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us it's the old trope of like, why can't they make the whole plane out of this? You know, I it, it, with Aiton, the best 50% of what he does is so damn good that if you could just, just shift a couple of things over. But again, it's so much more encouraging compared to where he was. And that's what happens a lot of times with physically talented young guys, especially if they're getting better coaching. And we've seen that with Devin Booker too. I mean, Devin Booker, it took him time to for the game to slow down a little bit, to build up the tools and the toolbox that you need to eventually become a more, a more successful player player and something that I've really liked about the Suns in the bubble is that we're also starting to see how some of the larger pieces could fit in. So like, sorry, sorry, some of the smaller pieces. So Aiton and Booker are both large pieces. Mikhail Bridges, his defense, I think that can be an important part of the rotation. I think you're probably going to, I think he's going to be a long-term starter. But also, I thought Cam Johnson, he's looking much more put together than I expected. And he had a nice game. You know, Rubio fits in well with this team. And then Sharich, I don't know if he's going to be a part of their future, but like 
they had a lot of guys that you start to get the sense of like, okay, what would a playoff, like a playoff caliber Suns team, maybe not like a win a series team look like next year or two years from now. And they're, they're getting closer to that, especially when you think about Kelly Oubre not being and being able to play right now. Yeah, Sharich uh, had an interesting game uh, where he was getting some deep, deep post-ups. He was out there, a, a big part of that huge third quarter run. Um, and uh, I was talked to someone in the organization yesterday who just to kind of uh, get a little background for our broadcast and he said that charge really came in to camp in awesome shape he thought he was uh, looking the best that he had since uh, his philly days and he's played pretty well in the ball we got to the foul line for uh seven of eight and uh 16 points and then you know we got asked uh one of the questions on the nba cast was you know what do the suns need now and with the development of cam johnson and him playing at the four you know he's he was he's beaten by aaron holiday a few times so i thought he He's holding up well enough defensively. And, you know, he did have nine defensive rebounds. That's good. He is a, a great shooter. He's only two of nine, but he's, you know, he's going to get guarded out there. Like he's got six, nine, that really quick release. He was also um, plus 36. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're thinking, I mean, maybe this is their starting group going into next year because you thought, okay, what are the three things they need? Aaron Baines is a free agent, so they need a backup center. Uh, they need a four, uh, and then they need a backup one guard. Well, uh, and keep in mind, too, that Kelly Oubre isn't even playing right now. I think they would be better actually probably bringing Oubre off the bench, sticking with Bridges and Johnson in this starting group and let Oubre provide the scoring off the bench because Bridges is just so good defensively and they just need that one guy. Well, and not only that, on but you want your best defensive player on the floor when the other team starters are because that's where they provide value. Right. You know, like if Mikhail Bridges can do this good a job on TJ Warren, that doesn't mean he's going to shut down Kawhi Leonard, but you want him out there because he's your best option. And Ubre also, especially if the Suns don't nail backup point guard, having another dynamic offensive player in that lineup can make life a lot easier. We've seen that with various teams. And that was also, interestingly, a problem for the Pacers in moments in this game. You want to give full credit to the Suns for the defense that they played, especially in that big run where they where they, they took took control of the game. But also remember, I, I was, you know, struck in the moment about how Indiana was just not creating good shots, and that Victor Oladipo was on the floor for that. This wasn't just... I mean, TJ McConnell had the ball in his hands a lot of it, and Oladipo wasn't on the floor for all of it. But also, we saw Oladipo in the preliminary assignments, you know, how Monty Williams and his coaching staff assessed the different risks of the of the Pacers players. He put Devin Booker on Victor Oladipo. He didn't put Devin Booker, didn't hide him on Aaron Holiday, didn't put him on Brogdon. He put him on Victor Oladipo, and I think it was the right decision. Yeah, I mean, to, with Rubio guarding Brogdon and then Bridges to guard Warren, like, I, I think you probably realistically say that Oladipo is the third most impactful threat of uh, those three guys uh, right now and Oladipo struggled to a negative 24 now I will say that for Oladipo it's really tough for him to play with TJ McConnell I really don't like that pairing at all because you just when McConnell is out there he just McConnellizes the game kind of the same way that Rajon Rondo Rondoizes the game where McConnell you know he certainly has a different mentality than Rondo in terms of how hard he plays but he's going to push the ball which is great in transition he's always going to be probing but he's got to have the ball all the time he's got to be initiating every thing because you don't guard him you know there's one play where he's wide open for three steps in for a two-pointer just he can't make a three his release is incredibly slow and so if he doesn't have the ball then he's not getting guarded and then no one else can do anything and so they have been effective with him out there but I've always I mean you remember how last year for Philly he was had to be excised from the rotation and you know I think that same thing may be coming here where they'll want to go you know holidays in the starting lineup but I think you bring him back with Oladipo for that second group and try and put Oladipo in a little bit better of a position to succeed and you know there was one play that struck me where I think Oladipo was matched up one-on-one against Frank Kaminsky and tried to get by him and he did and I think he ended up having like his lay or he ended up getting fouled by Kaminsky but it looked like Oladipo just had a path to go straight to the right side of the rim but instead he didn't he kind of went for a reverse and allowed Kaminsky to catch up and and it it may or may oh I think it was Sharich actually it was Sharich not Kaminsky yeah it was and and Sharich ends up following him on, following him on the arm and getting teed up because he didn't think he fouled him but it was just like the old Victor Oladipo would have just like left scorch marks on Dario Saric in that situation and he just didn't trust himself to beat Saric all the way to the room there was no one else there protecting
from the rim Sharch was the center and it, it just Victor's got a long way to go I'm glad that he's playing I'm glad that he's out there but I think really the hierarchy for this Pacers team where we've seen Brogdon you know has been the main guy a lot this year and he, he actually had a pretty good game with 25 points uh four or seven from three it, you've got Holiday out there who you know is kind of a ball handler when he gets it he's not really much of an off-ball player uh he's been a point guard his whole career TJ Warren has been a, a big focal point for them lately and then I mean don't forget Devontae Sabonis is on this team too he, he also you know, their offense has been much different without him but they run a lot of stuff through him and so the question becomes really is there going to be a priority a hierarchy at the end of games when they're having trouble scoring they have a lot of options but they also you know may not have an identity right now and again that's that's an old trope but i think for this team in particular particularly with oladipo you know hasn't proven that he can be an efficient option right now you know they would be better off with him really playing like a three and d type of role but you know he's a superstar trying to come back and prove that he belongs to all-star status again and so there is some tension there i would say yeah this game made me less confident in and i wasn't super confident to begin with in indiana's viability in like let's say a playoff series against miami because miami their defense is just so good and they could take a lot of these things away and just like can't what can the pacers do when when the, when another team is really grinding them down and we thought that the pacers depth could be an issue in this one doug mcdermott did not play and so that put a lot on justin holiday jakar yeah, samson he was injured by the way to be clear yes yes to be clear um Jakar Sampson did battle with a fellow process sixer, but never teammate, Charge, and they fouled each other a bunch of times, which was kind of fun. And we saw Goka Patadze on the floor. I, I generally liked Patadze. I thought that having somebody who could actually protect the rim in the non-turner minutes helped, but then they went away from that and had Sampson at center a little while. I didn't think that. Yeah, well, they were getting killed. He was out there at the end of the third. Yes. And uh, they were kind of getting killed. with. Him. I thought Cameron Payne really had Batadze timed out as far as being able to finish at the rim. I mean, it's Payne, true. you know, 15 points six and nine three of five uh, from three and you know i uh on the previous broadcast that i watched against the clippers the clippers broadcast called him a southpaw and i was like no like he's south of being a southpaw he he's so left-handed he plays with his entire body facing to the right side of the floor he's like antarctic he's like beyond being a, a, a southpaw but you know he was able to go both directions in this in this game he had a nice like quick shot on the right side of the floor it was with his left hand but you know he, he was able to get to where he needed to go on the floor and you know i mean he really drove their scoring when they had that stretch with rubio booker and Aiton, all three of those guys out of the game that you know which was a huge part of that run that they went on the 23-0 run i think that all happened with campaign on the floor well and another part of the story of this one is in the first half phoenix only shot three of 17 on three-pointers they ended the game nine of 34 and this was not a circumstance for the most part of quote-unquote leaving the right guys open and the bad the bad shooter missing shots cam johnson two of nine devin booker one of five and so i mean it w- i think that if phoenix had made a few more shots it could have been it could have even looked different in the first half when they had a a more modest lead and they outplayed the pacers i thought you know i thought they could have had the suns could have had a bigger lead at halftime and the suns no matter where this goes they should feel incredibly good about where they are the counter to that and we'll get into the meta later on in terms of probably like weeks down the line is that they'll need to be a lot better to make it into the west because everybody's going to need to be a lot better we're not i don't think we're going to see another year where well sub 500 is going to be enough but phoenix has they have the building blocks now i'm more confident in it than i was at any point by a pretty significant margin and that's really exciting yeah absolutely i mean i think they should try to maybe avoid the quick fix yes this offseason if you can get you know a good vet on a value contract go for it but you know they i, I think they've got like a pretty decent quarter charges restricted free agency i think will be of particular interest there um also of particular interest is sports business classroom only a little bit more time to sign up here it starts on august 10th so this will be able to tell you about it one more time but this is the time to go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com and it's your chance to do it virtually at a much lower price point sadly we're not able to to meet in person this year in vegas but we're going to provide the same curriculum that we always have five days and it's going to be immersive i mean like probably you know 10 hours a day worth of stuff exercises amazing guests uh, 
as well you know, you know larry coon is running it again for us this year we have a, a lot of people who have gone through the program who speak really highly of it there's some great testimonials on that website at sportsbusinessclassroom.com and so i really highly encourage you to check that out if you're either trying to get a career in sports or even if you just want an incredible immersive program that's probably going to be you know 40 or 50 hours by the end of it of just really really nerding out about basketball in a way that you didn't know was possible and also meet some other awesome people who want to do the same things i know a lot of people who went to sports business classroom like are still friends uh, as well and of course you know guys like ben dole and and liam doyle uh, the, both uh, liam now is with the heat he used to be our director of insight and foresight on dunked on uh, ben of course uh, is doing great work for us still uh, as director of basketball research and many other uh, alumni have gotten jobs in basketball so i highly encourage you to check it out sports business classroom dot com um anything else uh, on this one or or should we move on to new orleans and sacramento which was uh slightly disappointing for the well, Pels. well i th- i think that part of the intri- intrigue for us of the story of of the suns game was that it came on the heels of new orleans losing that game to sacramento because a part of the dynamic for phoenix is not only do they have to take care of business but they need other people to misstep and while that wasn't universal on this thursday it ended up being the case for the pelicans and new orleans we talked about how they it looked like for those last five games they faced soft soft opposition the kings are basically out and a lot of the other teams not as strong talent wise and don't have a ton to play for and that wasn't enough i thought that part of it was the sacramento especially that early going they just hit every shot imaginable but part of the reason they hit every shot imaginable is that new orleans defense sucked yeah it was pretty ugly and in watching it i thought the it was pretty clear that they had no answers for zion sacramento did but what i didn't consider as far as this matchup is that new orleans has terrible terrible transition defense and that sacramento could take advantage of that and although actually it was new orleans that ran a lot more and was totally inefficient in their running they just missed a lot of three-pointers jacking up shots in transition sacramento didn't run as much but they were very efficient with it um so actually as i look at that i will retract my statement that that is why new orleans lost uh, although as i was watching i saw a, a lot of plays where uh new orleans didn't get back very well that wasn't as big of a factor at least by the numbers per gleaning the glass so i think the other thing though is just that new orleans did not play hard enough in this game i, I think that was the other thing that really stuck out to me and yeah you give up a buck 40 that's never good and it was 16 to 33 three-point shooting but new orleans they were shooting danny new orleans shot 68 percent true shooting in this game they lost by 15 like their defense just wasn't good enough and uh you know there were plays in the third quarter where there'd be three pelicans around a defensive rebound and one king would go up and get the rebound and stick it back like they really just there wasn't the level of intensity or urgency required from the pels in this game there was not and sacramento ended up being primed to take advantage of that bogdan bogdanovich was one of 15 from the field in that loss to dallas and he came out absolutely molten in that first quarter alone bogdanovich 19 points on five of six from three and seven of eight from the field. And and then De'Aaron Fox had another 11. So, I mean, you have two guys who combined for 30 points, 30 of their 49 first quarter points. And I thought Bielitsa had some really nice moments. Harrison Barnes, to me, this was the best game I've seen him play in the bubble, though I haven't, yeah. admittedly, I haven't watched the Kings a ton because I... Well, I, well they actually went to him for yeah, once, right? We I think we talked on the last episode and like they actually had him run in some pick and roll in the third quarter. He had 22 points and, you know, he's not incredibly efficient, 9 of 18. You know, he's not going to have be much more efficient than that. But, you know, I, I thought he was more energized defensively as well because in guarding Brandon Ingram, I think because he got a few touches and like they really struggled to find a second score particularly out of the front court and i thought that he was uh, he was really useful there so it was good to see because he does have a, a skill level beyond just like hitting an open three-pointer every once in a while particularly against a mismatch or on second units where you may not be as efficient so it's good to see him like realize and the kings have realized that he still does still have the ability to be a scorer at times and 
a couple of other just big concerning things for for New Orleans. I thought the only guy who really tried on defense in this game, I mean, Drew did Drew things, but I thought was was Rashawn Holmes. I thought Holmes is something that your other podcast partner, John Hollinger, brought up. I thought he he tried. You know, you didn't really see the counting stats, the blocks and steals as much from Holmes. I think he did, have, did get credited with two steals, but he was contesting shots. He was making life a little bit harder. Whereas on the other end, Sacramento, 19 of 26 in the restricted area. That's, I mean, New Orleans incidentally did that well, but New Orleans also has Zion Williamson, which shock of shock, Sacramento does not. And also the Kings, 33 free throw attempts. And if they made more of those, if they hadn't missed nine, it could have been even worse for New Orleans and also Sacramento, 13 of their own misses. And they had 26 assists on 50 made baskets. They were over over half of their baskets were assisted. A ratio that New Orleans actually exceeded, but New Orleans' defense was just terrible. And while their offense, I thought it generally, you know, other than some like misses and th- on threes in transition, I thought that their offense looked good, but you you can't survive that. You can't be this shitty on defense and beat a capable team. You know what else I thought was uh, a big part of this game? Buddy healed 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't have to start. They didn't have to start Corey Joseph either. And I thought that you know, just having a, having a little bit of a different vibe in the starting lineup helped. Yeah, although I thought Joseph played well. He yeah, had a he couple did. of threes in that third quarter, which uh, were big, just to just to be guarded out there. He got up four attempts in twenty seven minutes. That's more than he's normally going to get. And uh, I think one thing that we got to talk about though is Zion was ten to twelve, four or seven for the piling, twenty four points in twenty two minutes. Continues to put up ridiculous offensive numbers, and he looked like himself. The Sacramento had absolutely no to guard him he was going left every single time but that didn't mean that the kings could stop that in the slightest i think he made like his first nine field goal attempts but he's still negative it's pretty darn tough to have 24 points in 22 minutes only miss two shots and be negative 12 and they tried to go with some lineups with him at center that didn't really work at the particularly at the end of the third they got completely lit up in yet another 40 point quarter as the kings essentially had put it away leading by 15 at the end of the third you know uh so you know we it was a fluke we said that they had defended so well with him on the floor there's a lot of shooting luck involved early and as he's come back here he hasn't had the continuity with his teammates due to his absence and when he's been out there i mean their defense is atrocious i think coming into tonight like they're they had like a 140 defensive rating or something with him on the floor and 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 that's right if if that did it dropped a little bit because there's 138.3 now I mean, it was 138-3 in this game. Um, so here's an amazing stat. I was looking this up while you were talking. Do you know which Pelican had the worst defensive rating? And this is this is a part of a larger theme for me with New Orleans in the bubble. Derek Favors? Yep. 152.2. And remember in the in the regular in the pre-hiatus season, he was the only he was the only guy when you looked at it statistically, but also when you watched the Pelicans. I mean, Drew is is a great defender, but it's just hard for guards to have that sort of impact you know in when you're looking at the large scale and it just hasn't really been the case in Orlando and that's been a big problem for New Orleans just because they don't they don't have that many Okay, so you can think about defense in a couple different ways. And like I, I brought this up with the Warriors before. They're critical mass of intelligent defenders. So one problem a team can have is having an insufficient number of great defenders. Another one is having an insufficient number of like average and above defenders. And I think the Pelicans are running into both of those problems at the same time. Lonzo's competent. Ingram, we still don't love him there. Zion is is negative. And so it just it puts it and so if favors isn't really helping if he's not providing that stability and that rim protection. It was always a house of cards, but it becomes a house of cards where they're just like the pieces are just really slippery. Yeah, and I don't know what it is with favors. He just hasn't had the same mobility and effect. I mean, when he came back from some of those absences uh, early in the year, that's really when they took off and they started defending. They were a top 10 defense with him on the floor. But yeah, he hasn't looked the same uh, on either end. Do you have a chance to read uh, Ethan Strauss's piece about Zion? Not yet, no. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a summary on it. So basically, he uh, talked to uh, Brian Stutterer, who's uh, a medical resident. who's got a a good youtube account and sutter made the point in ethan's piece that yes you know zion is still really explosive he's been really efficient but if you go back and watch his highlights at duke which i did i went back and watched that after probably watched about 15 minutes of it there's no comparison like zion was completely different athlete at duke and you know i don't know that like his body composition looked that different back then but i mean so it's like 
like the biggest thing that is missing on offense is you never see him attack the basket basically off of one foot i mean he would attack just fly in for these right-handed dunks off his left foot like we're not really seeing that at all it was his right leg that he hurt but it, flying in with, uh, off his left foot uh you know just much more pushing the ball in transition we haven't seen any really of zion like grabbing and going uh, and and then the defensive playmaking we've talked about how that's been totally absent but it was just shocking to go back and see some of these plays of like wow who is this guy like there's no comparison to what he's doing now and maybe again he's out of shape uh, uh you know he wasn't in great shape when he came back but uh i mean we just haven't seen i can't remember a guy because usually guys get better like big scores get better defensively when they get into the nba right like we saw it with john morant and markel fultz that some of these guys like because they have to and zion has just gotten exponentially worse and you know he's not moving really well he kind of just looks like pained out there running on his toes uh, and so I, i'm uh there's a little concern i mean he still could be like a really really dominant player and he's in a tough situation having had been out of the bubble for eight days trying to get back trying to get his wind again maybe it's just gonna be a matter well, of and, his cardio and remember also how weird his season was before that i mean he had sure. the, had the surgery and was coming back from like i'm not i don't think i'm as concerned as you are though i you know when you bring it up i am remembering i i, I felt a little bit jealous that you got to watch you watch those 15 minutes of, of zion duke highlights because it was truly special and there is even if zion isn't that guy there's still a lot there to really help a team but i mean especially that could be relevant on the defensive end and this loss is really devastating for the pelicans well i, I got one more thing on sure zion, go ahead so this is we're going to enter the realm of pure speculation at this point. Um, but it just seems like there's something a little weird going on here. And I can't quite put my finger on it. But for there's this lawsuit with Duke about how, you know, basically there's a, a claim that he had put pen to paper with some kind of shady marketing agency. And now they're suing him for millions of dollars. And they're trying to claim that, oh, you know what, actually this rule in North Carolina that a someone who is a college athlete can't sign one of these representation agreements that that invalidates it that's what zion is saying and so their argument is well actually he wasn't eligible because he took a bunch of money at duke and so now there's actually going to be discovery in the lawsuit on that point you know and so that's like the idea that he would just sign with some like some group like that like he's you know had a lot of people around him he's been in the spotlight for a long time you know you don't necessarily hear stories like that this early on uh, about guys and then you know he leaves the bubble for this personal absence and all of the other people who have left the ball for a personal absence it's come out of like what it actually was right like lou williams his mentor died patrick beverly had a family member die uh, mantras harold the grandmother that basically raised him chris haynes reported on that today that he's been gone for a while now we never actually heard did we like why he left I I haven't. I don't feel as comfortable with that. But the idea that young I, I mean, maybe maybe there's an explanation. Like I, again, I'm not saying that this, but it's just there's a lot of kind of odd. Th and then you know, there's the whole him coming back and being on the minutes limit, and like it's a minutes limit unlike anything else that anyone has ever seen. And uh, he's getting hurt a lot, and he's not. He doesn't really seem to really have improved his body that much. And, and there's just, just a few red flags here for me with Zion. In addition to how he looks on the court it's all part and parcel and you know maybe he's just intensely private and there's some reason that he left uh that you know but you would think that like with someone as important as him like it would get out in some fashion like i can't remember a time when someone has had a personal absence like this that was this high profile where it was unexplained that's a fair point um but let's so so i want to i'm not going to dwell delve into the whole west playoff picture we'll do that at the end of the pod but now the pelicans are tied with the kings at 29 and 39 they are two full games back of the Blazers in ninth but importantly they're also behind everybody else and so New Orleans they can write the ship I, I my my brain I'm thinking they need to go 4-0 to to do it and I don't expect that to happen I think they could win a couple they might even win a couple in a row but it's it's a real challenge and remember now they've only won one of their four games and it's you know they'll have an easy they'll have a chance to ride the ship against the ninth seed in the east but it's going to be a challenge net like what what was going what looked like smooth sailing got choppy and it's their own fault though the kings deserve a lot of credit for playing hard and doing a good job yeah i do think that that's you know we kind of thought the kings might be ready to pack it in well and, and that that's the case. last point i want to make on this is that there is 
a natural inclination to for us to think about this stuff kind of in a more kind of rigid structuralist point when it's like we thought the kings were functionally eliminated they're basically out and i think that it's hard and frustrating as analysts i think there's a more subjective component that will be a part of this sometimes now we saw like the lakers on thursday lebron sat due to a sore groin and we and russell westbrook also sat, and and the, the lakers are locked in their seating like i think we'll see some of that when things are absolutely set but especially for these teams that are out but not all the way out, I think they're going to hold on a little bit longer because it's kind of like, well, what else are we going to do? And Sacramento, they're still mathematically alive. They they then they have a game against Brooklyn, so they can they maybe they can be, think of themselves as more alive, and then they have another one against New Orleans. But I th- I want to be a little bit more cautious in those circumstances. Now, the ones that get really challenging is okay, team is locked in. Like let's say Dallas, it looks like they're pretty much locked in now as the seven. When what are they going to do? Are they like because they could theoretically take like give Lucas some time off I think that would be a very good idea but do you do that in the last game or do you do that like second to last or third to last like I'm because there will be a competitive advantage and I don't think any of these teams owe it to anybody else to to do it in a way that is fair for a competitive balance or any of that shit but it, it is going to affect the competitive balance all the same no, I agree. And it is difficult, of course, uh, to anticipate precisely uh, how those leaves are, are going to fall. Let's take a quick break here, and then we'll talk about an- another ridiculous Damian Lillard game. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. So this one was kind of interesting. Denver, on the second night of a back-to-back, Paul Millsap already sat out for rest. The Clippers won today, uh, and so Denver probably wasn't going to catch them for the two-seed anyway. But they also, you know, I, if I were them at least, I don't know how they feel, but if I were them, I would most want to avoid Dallas and Houston. And so probably staying right where they are is the best way to do that. And then Houston won later today as well, but they probably figured Houston was going to win because LeBron wasn't playing in that Lakers game. And so I think they're they're kind of hoping to stay right at the three and get either utah or okc that would be my hope if i were them and so not winning this game i think actually furthered uh, their ambitions in that area and then also giving portland a boost hey you know why not get portland in there give the lakers a a more difficult game uh, as well so uh, it made some sense to me particularly with on the second night of a back-to-back that they really took their foot off the throttle late and they went with uh, all reserves in the fourth quarter well yeah that that Um, was the most wild point Uh, john schumann brought this up was that four of the nuggets five regular starters didn't play in this game or maybe it wasn't four or five maybe it was three or five um because of absolutely you know Millsap and then the the two starters no, it was, it's it was four, four or, five. or five yeah you're right yeah. and then four of their five starters of this game also didn't close it when it was competitive <laughs> and so you know Nikola Jokic didn't didn't play in that fourth quarter run and that's yeah. totally and Jokic fine. looked a little uh, he, yeah he, I mean he did have 13 assists and 24 minutes but he also had five turnovers he didn't uh he he uh he sometimes doesn't play that well against Yusuf Nurkic kind of interesting I mean those guys were you know, rivals in in Denver for playing time early in their careers they were but I think the biggest story of this game was 
the incandescence of Damian Lillard. I mean, it was absolutely incredible moments. Like I, Lillard is the player, especially now with Steph Curry being largely unavailable for this entire season and not playing at all in the bubble. He's the guy who I. There are just moments where I just lose it and just start laughing when I'm watching because it's just unfair. Yeah, and he, he he may be having like the best non-Curry three-point shooting season ever. And that was fueled in this one by an 11 of 18 performance, including some just insanely ambitious ones. I mean, this is not Damian Lillard shooting the wide open catch and shoot, get get a minute and a half to set the Thabo Seth sundial to do it. No, these are pull up shots against capable <laughs> opposition. And he's just drilling him. And Lillard, he only attempted three two point shots in this game and still had 45 points on 26 shooting possession. Like that's well, almost I, impossible. I mean, the difficulty of these shots i mean probably eight of the 11 are at least a couple steps behind the three-point line that he makes and then you know there was maybe one off an offensive rebound where it's kind of like okay this is just like it would be you would consider it like a clean look for anyone basically right like the rest of his makes are hard shots either on the move super deep i mean he put made four threes in the first eight minutes of the game it was four of four and three of them were just you know nearly logo shots uh and then he just completely controlled the game i mean he he wasn't even going like you know you didn't see those like crazy accelerations from it but he was just totally in control everything that denver tried didn't work now granted gary harris didn't play who usually does a pretty decent job on him but he's okay so he hits the deep three the next time they set the screen way up by half court Jokic comes out by half court and lillard just saunters by him for a, a layup then they start double teaming him even more at half court and he starts hitting the roll man zach collins or he's just beating the the trap himself getting into the lane setting up a wide open gary trent who is also awesome in this game is now shooting like 70 percent from three in the bubble but like he's getting wide open three pointers for a guy who's shooting 70 percent like the gary trent's a lot of his were just like walk into it uh check the wind type of shots and it was he was just so in control i mean the assists he's had 12 assists in this one he had 16 uh in an earlier game so we're seeing him passing at a high level he's just totally in control and knows exactly what he wants to go to depending on what the defense is doing it's just very very impressive admittedly of course against a shorthanded nuggets team right and there was definitely a difference in approach between terry stotts and mike malone in this one stotts only ran an eight man rotation played gary trent 36 minutes off the bench i thought gary trent did a wonderful job including on as as uh adam Aris brought up former peach jam opponent michael porter jr like michael porter jr uh-huh. had another big game but somebody had brought up that those two had actually that trent had defended porter well eons ago back when porter was like the super top prospect and i i was amused by that i didn't see i didn't see that game though i saw i saw both of them in kind of the high school age well, well you mentioned that and uh Carmelo Anthony started the game. Trent came off the bench and Michael Porter Jr. had 10 points before Carmelo Anthony went out of the game and Gary Trent started guarding him. Gary Trent made it much more difficult for him. We'll talk a little bit more about what he's been doing. But he put but, up another 30 point night in 27 in this one. But so the other potentially significant thing for me on Portland's perspective from this game was, yes, Denver wasn't playing their best lineups. They weren't even playing the best lineups of the players that they had available. But Terry Stotts in the, let's call it the competitive portion, I think it was around the, let's call it the six minute mark of the fourth quarter the lineup that was out there was Lillard McCollum Gary Trent Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic that is the lineup that should be close not against every opponent but that is the lineup that I think is their best five that is the lineup that should be closing games against capable opposition and they did a really good job together they you know Trent has is better at filling the small the small forward role in this team he he's a more, a more aggressive capable shooter and a vastly superior defender and Zach Collins does kind of what they what they need a power forward to do. And now, sure, I wish they had Trevor Reza. I wish they had better options and could maybe do some different looks. But to see that five out there and to see that five do well, I think that could be important moving forward because they're going to be, if Portland plays well enough to even to get in, and I think it's looking a lot better now than it was a couple days ago for them, they're going to be going right into the damn fire because the Lakers are a really good team. And even if they've been a little out of sorts lately, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and their talent level, like Portland's not going to be able to coast into that series and so i think knowing who your best five are is incredibly valuable yeah and you know Melo had a good game he got the revenge game uh, against houston a couple nights ago but these are the games that like just kind of don't show up right the, but for the Melo stand seven points two of eight negative five in 32 minutes and got lit up uh, by michael porter jr who scored a lot of his points at, at his expense and you know Melo, i do give him credit he looks way more athletic he's giving more effort defensively than he has the last few years 
but you know he still couldn't do anything with Michael Porter Jr. Even though I, I give him credit for at least trying. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think that will be their best group in the end. I mean, Collins is limited in how many minutes he can play. It'll also be interesting to see. You know, is it going to be Collins as the backup center or, or Hassan Whiteside? Whiteside only at 13 minutes. The other thing though, Danny, is just that like Yusuf Nurkic is making things so much easier for the guards with his screening. Now, if they trap Nurkic, can get the ball on the roll. Uh, a guy, and, and a guy plays. who can actually pass. That's pretty yeah. good for a Portland center to, to be able to do. Right. I mean, he baptized Bull Bull oh. with the dunk coming in from the right side on the side pick and roll. He's just so much more mobile. You know, there's a play as they're salting the game away where he just decides that like, hey, you're on the side on this pick and roll. I'm going to switch up my coverage, get out there with my quick feet and just steal the ball. He knocks it off of PJ Dozier and, and you go the other way on that. And so he just provides so much of a different element. And, you know, I'm very interested to see what he looks like against some of the quicker teams. But, you know, there isn't a Golden State out there necessarily i mean maybe if they got to go against houston but nurkic was excellent against houston too so um i i'm uh very very pleased to, to see him back and he was certainly a at least a top 15 if not a top 10 center a year ago and he's playing at that level once again um don't take too much away here from denver's standpoint i mean when you're putting out a lineup at one point of monte morris tory craig pj dozer mason Plumley, and Jokic all together because you just basically don't have anyone else that's uh you know they kind of punt it on this one but i mean i still thought porter was really good and what i like about what he's been doing is he gets his points really within the flow of the offense so easily he's not holding the ball he's not isoing he's learned how to work off of Jokic. he's either taken a quick three he's cutting back door he, he i thought he looked really good attacking off the dribble and transition for some nice finishes in this one and 27 points four seven from three 10 of 18 overall and and continues his great work as a rebounder uh, with uh 12 rebounds he didn't play at the end but you know he continues to score really well and defensively he's not amazing but he, there's a couple times like mccollum tried to iso on him and he did okay i think he forced an airball on one of those plays so he's not he hasn't been a total disaster defensively which is more than i was expecting I, I was originally going to tell people to pull up the shot plot, but I'm just going to tweet it out. So if depending on when you listen to this, you should be able to go back and find it. Damian Lillard's shot plot from this game is just ridiculous. <laughs> just look at how far out some of those three-pointers were. And Michael Porter took some pretty deep ones too. He took some off the dribble. And I, I as you said, I like, I, I'm intrigued by how Porter and Jokic are going to fit it. They're two dynamic offensive players. And I still believe what I said before about how key Porter is to their ceiling. I think that we're, it, it might be a little while until we see all that because they're still the walking wounded and who the hell knows when that's going to change but yeah i've been very impressed by michael porter jr's offense and he's still you know capable defensive rebounder grabbed nine of them in this game and he's not a perfect defender <laughs> far 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 from it but i i'm wondering where where this nuggets team goes and and hopefully they can just for my own entertainment if they can just not have mason Plumley as their backup center anymore like i was watching this game just enjoying it bopping along like lots of entertaining players lots of players i love watching and then every time mason Plumley had the ball I'm just like uh let's just wait for it to be over uh i i would bet you more likely than not he comes back next year. i know I, I i'm pretty confident that you're right um so we'll take you around the league and then we'll hit s some news real quick milwaukee had came back from a 23 point deficit against miami where jimmy butler continues to be out there's discussion that it's either a calf or a foot injury it's been conflicting reports uh, on that and it, so he hasn't played the last two games they beat boston without him as we talked about a couple days ago but they weren't able to maintain things against milwaukee despite 21 of 46 three-point shooting the bucks the first team in nba history to give up three consecutive games with 20 three-pointers given up and one of those was with their scrubs against the Nets, of course. But uh, they didn't really give up anything else to Miami. Bam Adebayo struggled, had five fouls and four turnovers in 22 minutes. Uh, and Giannis really ate him up. There was talk that Adebayo might be the Giannis stopper. Although they had actually gone with Jimmy Butler or Derek Jones Jr. guarding him in previous games. Adebayo got a little more time on Giannis as there was no one really else to, to do it in this one. And Middleton also had a ridiculous 33-point performance well, in Milwaukee. One other yeah, note I want to make from that game. Tyler 
hero scored 20 points on 15 shooting possessions and only made one three-pointer did a lot of damage inside the arc also got some free throws yeah those uh, you know you kind of need those mid-rangers uh, from him duncan robinson was good too that's uh, what kept him in it so uh, miami falls you know still something to watch there in terms of their seating position you know that win against boston without butler was big they're probably in pretty good shape to stay in the four or five should they want to and miami milwaukee could very well be a, a playoff preview the clippers took care of dallas if dallas wasn't done for the seventh seed which they were now they really are um Kawhi, pg were both really good and avicha zubach closed the game for the second straight game he had 21 points 15 rebounds 10 of 10 from the field in 24 minutes so he looked really good the, the mavs tried some interesting thing they actually started boban but he only played six minutes in this one and it, clearly the mavs this is a bad matchup for them they just don't have anyone to guard Kawhi. you know maxi kleba can do it okay but then you know he and porzingis together you're kind of hurting he's a good shooter but he's not a great shooter and so interesting to see where that ends up going luca did have a pretty good game finally hit some threes he was six out of 13 and then lebron didn't play russell westbrook didn't play and that led to houston taking care of the lakers by 16 well and taking 57 three-pointers in a reg- in a regulation game well and what were the lakers five out of 37 from three in their last game and two out of 19 in this game yeah their bench their bench and starters each only made one three-pointer yeah we did get to see a little tail and horton tucker which was uh, nice to see him get off the bench a little bit uh dwight howard had missed the previous game but he came back uh, to play 20 minutes so good good to see that he's healthy and but yeah i mean this lakers they only took 19 threes which is that is an extremely low number you see without lebron they really have no way of generating those and houston does a pretty good job of denying three-pointers with that switching system you know you're not really going to get much driving kick and then anthony davis another you know he only played 30 minutes it was a blowout but only took eight shots in this game you know they've had a couple of games where teams have been able to take him out of it and that's a that's a concern for the lakers they their offense has been atrocious so far and lebron not playing due to the groin you know we've seen him icing it that's the injury that he had last year he's been on the injury report with that and, and he hasn't played well either you know i mean he has he's averaging you know 25 and 10 i don't think he's reached either of those numbers in any of the games that he's played so far i'm gonna give you the choice do you want to do news first or do you want to do kind of the bubble seating update let's do news first um and let's start with orlando mo bamba has been out of the rotation and we'd wonder about that and ken birch being ahead of him and so he actually revealed to josh robbins the athletic today that he did have a covid19 diagnosis back right around the time that everyone's returning to their markets and then he also had a false positive right when they arrived in the bubble so he had to miss three days of practice to, to be re-quarantined during that and so that's been part of it. he also put on 20 pounds of muscle and so that's really impacted his conditioning and i'm i'm glad that he said that and i i also think this is an instructive example for players who you know have wanted to keep it private i think you're better off just being honest about it not only from just the the standpoint of you know being able to be a a spokesman for good coronavirus countermeasures and that this is a a big deal but also that there shouldn't be a stigma behind it uh but also i mean we were like man wow does he just suck because the organization not believe in him anymore like it leads to a lot of speculation like no there actually is an explanation like he's having a little trouble getting back from that like i i feel much better about his situation now and if they'd been transparent from the beginning he wouldn't have had a week of stories of like you know wow is, is the organization giving up on mo Bamba? yeah that that's a really good point and um also in the orlando news aaron gordon fortunately no serious damage to his left hamstring it will be several days until he's reevaluated i think longtime listeners of the show know how i feel about guys getting hit while they're in the air i do not i and i'm not it's that's i'm just gonna leave it there um but thankfully yeah, he, he had a uh a little uh tete-a-tete with uh kyle lowry after that play and after he had to leave he was not pleased with uh lowry who you know he, he plays hard he takes charges but he also gets a little out of control with that shit sometimes philadelphia it, it it felt like a whirlwind to me um that the early stuff because it's the way it happens is you kind of start with an mri ben simmons left left the led their game with a left knee issue and the mri came back clean and so it's like okay good but the the bad news is that it is a subluxation of the left patella which is functionally a partial dislocation and now i will see the floor to our lower body injury expert nate duncan yeah the subluxation <laughs> hey my knees are feeling good ben i'm i i uh i don't know if you heard i dunked a basketball a couple weeks ago barely uh yeah subluxation is a mild dislocation but of the kneecap not the knee which is the important thing so basically there's a trench that your 
kneecap sits in and it was momentarily displaced from that but went right back in and so if you get a severe one of these you can get some ligament damage around there but it popped out briefly it popped back in there is no ligament damage according to reports that said the mri was clean swelling is limited and Jeff Stotts, of course, talked about how some of the more mild examples of a, a kneecap subluxation have resulted in, you know, three games, 11 days type of missed time. Alan Crabb had that, for example, this year. So I'm uh, I'm hopeful that he can get back to be a factor in their first round series, which would start, what, uh, right about 10 days from now, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's about right. And they'll be going, presumably, it looks like, especially if they're a little bit less competitive in these games without Ben Simmons, they'll be going to probably straight into the fire against the Boston Celtics. And so it's not only about a lot of times, and I go back to Curry's issues in the 2016 playoffs. I think there can be a shorthand where people say, if he's ready to play, then you should think of him as hundred percent. And that's, that's what I'm concerned about with Simmons is not, is not when is he ready to play? It's that if he's anything, if he's anything less then that's a big problem for the Sixers because they're going to need their player. They're, they're It's going to take everything in order to beat the Celtics because Celtics are a really good basketball team. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. For the Clippers, Patrick Beverly did not play today against Dallas with that left calf strain. And Chris Haynes reported that Montrez Harrell is still out. Uh, apparently, his grandmother, who's like a mother figure to him, is going to be laid to rest over the weekend. And he's hoping to return at that point. We'll have to quarantine for four days. He has been getting tested on a daily basis, so he can get that four-day quarantine. And it's hopeful that he can start participating as soon as the middle of next week. For Brooklyn, Jamal Crawford strained his hamstring after being out for conditioning. He's going to miss at least a few games, according to Jacques Vaughn. I hope he can come back for the playoffs because they do need one more guy to at least make those games semi-watchable. But Brooklyn got fined 25K as well for not adhering to league's injury reporting where they have this whole procedure now for uh, being in the bubble it's unclear what they obfuscated but uh their uh, josiah is a uh, 25k lighter now also in another example of ownership being the the biggest competitive advantage in the nba reporting out today from joe cowley that even if uh, Arturis Karnishovitz doesn't like what he sees, what like kind of like where Jim Boyle is going, that he still needs to be the coach for next year because of financial reasons, because they don't want to be paying another head coach. And we, we've already seen this with the last dance, which feels like it was a lifetime and a half ago. But just because the Bulls were a successful organization a long time ago does not mean that they are a well-run and well-owned team. And I think ownership is honestly the biggest problem there. Yeah, Kali reporting that quote, financial concerns, Ryan Doris, Ryan Reinstorfs have about 2021 will keep Boylan in his current seat as well as most of the most of the coaching staff and yeah that's a that's a bummer I think uh, Boylan may be unfairly maligned in some ways but also you know just does not have a very good record and uh, from a PR standpoint it has not been particularly good stint for him and you know there's this whole thing again we're watching this of oh the owners they're gonna lose a hundred million dollars yeah but their profit was gonna be 90 million dollars <laughs> it's gonna be like one of those things so it's like you're actually you're actual loss is like 10 million and you know the Reinsdorfs have been pocketing tens of millions of dollars per year from the Bulls for you know the past 20 years uh, essentially so that they could probably afford it but you know they're a family business Jerry Reinsdorf runs it as a business and this uh apparently is going to be a concern I think I think we all knew that Boylan wasn't going anywhere since they haven't made a move by this point and it does appear that the the lead eight are unlikely to be able to do anything per reporting by Sam Amick and Sham Sharania Uh, also uh, Chris Haynes reported that trevor ariza's custody dates ended up changing and they tried to persuade him to join them in the bubble but uh because he had opted out they the blazers had to have previously applied for some sort of a hardship waiver or a late arrival form uh and that the league would have likely denied that request anyway because ariza volunteered to be out and most importantly wasn't included on the restart roster uh, which they had to submit so 
kind of too bad i mean i i wish they could find a way to get Ariza in here in these unique circumstances you know i don't think there's some incredibly unfair advantage to have a guy who's already on your roster show up i mean i think there's there's a concern that you know you either have to be there at the beginning you go through the quarantine and or if you're not there it's due to some sort of a a covid issue and so Ariza doesn't fall into that category i get that but it would be nice to let him be in there let's uh let's wrap things up here with the the playoff race we could start with the western conference lakers are locked in as the one the clippers now have a game and a half clearance on the nuggets for the two seed and they do play each other so denver could theoretically gain a game back that way it, but it I, I would say that overall the nugget schedule is more difficult then they have a game and a half clearance on the morass that still exists between the for the four five six jazz rockets thunder are all a half game apart utah and houston are now 43 and 25 the thunder 42 and 25 with an extra game to play dallas is functionally locked into the seven three games behind the thunder and eight games ahead of the grizzlies and now the grizzlies are only a half game ahead of the portland trailblazers and we've talked about the difficulties in memphis's schedule then the blazers yeah i I clearly portland has an easier schedule than memphis do you agree with that absolutely i mean it Uh, unless these three teams in the east that memphis has to play don't try yeah unless there's a like let's call it a, a not full strength issue for for one of them if they just get a disproportionate situation which is entirely possible and then portland yeah they're in a much better place now that now that they now they won today and they still have competitive games you know they play the clippers and philly and dallas but dallas is pretty much set in and they play the nets in the last game of the season so i think portland's in a really good spot not only because they're a little bit ahead of everybody else they're actually now a game and a half ahead of the suns and spurs and then two ahead of the pelicans and kings but also because being the nine is a lot less daunting if they're facing this limited grizzlies team than facing theoretically somebody else now you still have to do it and memphis would only need one win you know a couple shots fall and it can get there but yeah that's why portland need so if you're looking at the raptor version of five of 538 they have the raptor and the elo versions portland actually now has a 68 percent chance of making the playoffs i think that's a little rosy but it is definitely a lot stronger than it was and that's the unfortunate thing for phoenix the team we talked about in the open is that even though they won and beat a very good a very good bubble team in indiana their standing actually didn't do better because Port, because Portland won and Portland's ahead of them and they needed that help. Yeah, and so we'll see. I mean, I think the Pels basically at this point probably got to go 4-0 and the rest of the way. Sacramento probably does too. And I I don't think either of those. I mean, Portland has the easier path, but it'd be very hard for either of them. Yeah, I mean, the Pels, in theory, would be favored in all their remaining games. Washington, San Antonio, Sacramento, Orlando. But they were, in theory, favored today too. And they uh, did not make it competitive in the end. Yeah, and then the East is pretty straightforward now. The Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics, it feels pretty likely that those are going to be the top three seeds in that specific order. Now, Boston has a two and a half game lead on the Miami Heat. Then Miami is only one game up on the Pacers, who are then only a half game up on the Sixers. That's really the the fudging that can happen. Four or five doesn't really matter, but not being the six does. So whichever team does the worst of that group will face Boston, presumably. And then right now, the Nets are actually a half game ahead of the Magic, and we'll just see how that works out. I'm, it's basically about whether you're going to be cannon fodder for the Bucks or you're going to be cannon fodder for the Raptors at this point, though. If you face the Raptors, you get to win game one. <laughs> Okay, watch the NBA cast tomorrow on League Pass. You just click on it. You get the whole game in the screen. You get to ask questions, getting so many great reviews. If you've just check it out for 10 minutes, even on the replay, if you're a League Pass subscriber and you haven't checked it out yet, uh, and you can get an idea of what it's all about. We really try to do a play-by-play that features the X's and O's live. And so, you know, we focus a lot on the off-ball action. We hope that we can kind of teach you a little different way of looking at the game and watching with a slide there's no better way to do it than that and then of course we take your questions during the commercial we've gotten some great comments like hey how how can i go back to regular commentary after watching you guys like it's not the same blah blah blah. so that's always really nice to hear and you know again any tweets that you have i'm compiling those and sending them all to the nba to help them show that this is uh working and is in demand so we will talk to you on sunday night on this show but hopefully see you on the nba cast tomorrow that's it one evening Eastern 10 Pacific, or you can watch the replay tomorrow night for Jazz Spurs. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.